Welcome back to the Sports Page Out Loud. I am your host, Paige Zamora, joined by our other host, Jaden Johnson. Thank you for being here. Last time we were here together, we knew that Dax Raymond was going mm-hmm. to be foregoing his senior season to enroll in the NFL draft early. Right. And we knew that Coach Wells was gone. Right. Um, trying not to cry while I talk about it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and now we know who his replacement has been. And there's mixed feeling about feelings about it um, across Aggie Nation. Well, and I'll throw in that the hits have kept coming, and Darwin Thompson is going to the NFL draft as well. Um, I don't think we've heard other names mm-hmm. on top of that, but yeah, some, that's a some, huge hit. Yeah, big hits. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've been we've been able to be very confident in both. I mean, all three aspects of the game, right? Mm-hmm. This past season, um, how much do you think those two names, right, Dax and mm-hmm. Darwin? Oh, that's nice of it. Anyways, Dax and Darwin. <laughs> Um, affect that confidence we can have going into next season? Or is it even way too early to talk about confidence in this team going into next no, season? No, I don't think it's too early to talk about it. Um, well, it's hard to say because in one regard, those are two NFL players, you know. I, people there's are, a reason yeah, there's they people, have that yeah, chance, right? Yeah, so it's right? going to hurt. And people, you know, people are going to have their own opinions on whether Darwin Thompson should have declared whether he'll get drafted, what – what kind of damage he'll do in the NFL or whether he should have stuck around. And frankly, I don't care what your opinion is because your opinion doesn't matter because Darwin Thompson is the one making his own decisions. Uh, and, and you just got to be happy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can just interrupt yeah, for a second no, and say, I mean, for all three of those great names, oh, abs- yeah. Matt Wells, yeah. Dax Raymond, Darwin Thompson, we're glad for them, right? Yeah. There's, there's nothing – you can't be angry. You can't be hurt. I mean – Heaven forbid an Aggie fan sitting in the radio booth get hurt <laughs> by this, right? But the implications that it means for the team as a whole, yeah. um, that's what we're talking about here. Just for so sure. You know. yeah, right? I, think, I think I singled out Darwin because he's the one I saw the most blowback uh-huh. on. Just because, totally. you know, Coach Wells, he'll go make four times the salary. Dex, he's already, you know, 23 years old, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to answer your question, I guess you look at, at the running back position – and you've still got Gerald Bright, which is huge. Really you huge. Know, Gerald uh-huh. Bright, I think he flew under the radar. And I get, you know, people were stoked about the Darwin Thompson show. And he was a freak and just mm-hmm. really turned this team around. He's kind of the, show, the showman of it, right? Yeah. I feel like he yeah. and Gerald Bright, in my mind, I just keep interrupting you. No, Sorry, no, but no, in my great. mind, he and Gerald Bright are kind of the same type yeah. of weapon, right? And Absolutely. I think Jordan Love, our quarterback, would agree, right? Mm-hmm. In, in post-game conversations we've had with him, it seems that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the showiness of the way they play is different. People are always going to miss a showboat. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not saying that negatively. I know that word has a negative connotation sometimes. But people are going to miss that because that's part of the entertainment of this team, right? Well, but Gerald Bright is the reason why I'm like, okay, I'm still okay with exactly. it, right? He's, he's still here. Well, and, and, you know, the fact that, Darwin Thompson, he was, a, he was a fan favorite. If you ever heard him talk, you, you love the dude. He's a good, you know, a good player. He represented the Aggie Nation Great well. interview. Yeah. Great interview. Um, he's kind of a, a smaller guy with that blue chip mentality, you mm-hmm. know, yards after the carry. He came from, he didn't get a single Division One offer, didn't get a single Division Two offer, didn't get a single Division Three offer. He walked on at a junior college mm-hmm. um, and turned himself into an NFL player. So how could you not love that story? How could you not love that guy? But... Uh, yeah, you've got Darwin Thompson, whose numbers almost stacked up. I mean, and there was a good chunk of the season. They were interchanging series back and forth. Right. Um, I think Darwin kind of became a little bit more of the workload favorite towards the end. But you've got you've, – so you've still got Gerald Bright. 
you've got I think some really good young running backs with uh, with Trey Miller, with you've still got uh, Morian Walker who hasn't taken much of a load, but I think is is more than capable of it. And they're probably going to recruit the junior college and 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 uh, and high school ranks to bring in some more running backs right away. Tight end wise, you've still got Carson Terrell who I think. Uh, I thought Utah State had two of the three best tight ends in the state last year. I mean, Matt Bushman is great at BYU, and um, and and but now that Dax Raymond's gone, I think Carson Trail's going to step right into those shoes and have a great season. So, and does I, it really hurt? Yeah, but does it really hurt? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there's always two aspects to the answer, yeah. I think, because there's what we want to expect and hope for, and then what's going to happen. But exactly. right now, we don't know what's going to happen. So. I, I don't think there's any problem with being optimistic about this. Um, and if I can say, I know that you hear me rave about him a lot. Jordan Love mm-hmm. has really changed my mind about um, when one great leaves, not worrying about those shoes being mm-hmm. filled, right? And um, I think, I mean, we all know that he was a very specific uh, exception to this, being a sophomore quarterback where um, the season before this last one, we didn't see a ton of him, but we were able to, start understanding what type of player he was going to be. And now with him being a sophomore and filling in the way he did as an underclassman still, mm. um, I have more hope in those maybe, I don't want to call them second string, but I guess that's what they are, or the recruits that are coming in because Jordan Love has kind of revamped that idea in my mind because well, there's no, shoes yeah, are being filled. There's right? no reason not to be. And, and Coach Wells, you know, I, I get that he's gone and moved on, but I, I trust his evaluations for sure as he's the one that built this team. He said that this freshman class he's got coming in is his best ever. Uh, and so, and you look at the, the young, I get, you know, Utah State's going to lose four key offensive linemen, but they're bringing, like, the, the freshmen that were mostly able to redshirt this year, and, and thank goodness to the red, new redshirt rule, they even got some playing time under their belts. That's going to be a special group. Maybe not right out of the gates, you know. Uh, it's it's going to be tough, with, especially when you take on a team like LSU early in the season, but two, three years down the road, if not sooner. I, I, I do think that they'll be good sooner, but they'll be absolutely elite a couple of years down the road. I'm excited to watch that, and but there's another factor that's mm-hmm. going to go into this, right? And um, it's a huge one. I think it's going to affect a, a few different things, right? Um, Gary Anderson's the new, yes, old head coach, <laughs> old <laughs> the new. new head coach again. <laughs> yeah, the new head coach again, and um, a lot of Cash Valley fans or Cash Valley Aggie fans are excited yeah. about this. But I think there's almost two separate demographics of Aggie fans that we can see. I mean, there's some that are. <laughs> College students that mm. are kind of bought into the Aggie football team and love them as if they've loved them their whole life, namely me. And mm-hmm. then there's other people like you and like a lot of the, um, what would I call them? Uh, the older working demographic in the Valley. I don't really <laughs> know how. Hairs. Yeah, I don't know how to, how to like refer to them, but yeah. they're really excited. I mean, my daughter's pediatrician. Right. Before any of this happened, when we were halfway through the football season, was talking to me about wanting Matt Wells to leave and Gary Anderson to come back. And at that time, I was like, you're crazy. Like, that would never happen. And if Matt Wells did leave, we're not going to bring back an old coach. And here I am eating my words, right? So talk to me a little bit. I want to talk first about how you think players are going to buy into Mm -hmm. the new coaching staff. How much that affects them? I mean, you've watched this team through several coaching changes, mm-hmm. right? 
maybe not several, but a handful, yeah, right? A handful. Yeah. And um, and then I want to talk about kind of how much this fan reaction might, if at all, have an effect <laughs> on how this goes. Well, first, I thought there was no chance in the world that we would ever see Gary Anderson back in a Utah State. And was that a, was that a I sad mean, thought in your mind, or were you like? I'm all right with it. Like, you know, leave him where he is. He had his prime here. My my freshman season was Gary Anderson's uh, 11 and two year. Mm-hmm. Um, 2012, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the greatest seasons of Aggie football history. And you know, I was standing 10 feet away from from Gary when he got up on the podium famously and and said, "Aggie Nation, I don't love you. I, I don't like like you. I love you." Uh, and everyone thought he was here forever. And then he left for Wisconsin. I remember how hard that was for Aggie fans. And so I get the excitement, everyone being so excited about him coming back. You know, this is a guy that resurrected the Utah State football program. This is a guy that um, we saw what he built here, and he's largely responsible. And I think it's only kind of poetic justice that he left an 11-2 and program. He inherits an 11-2 and program. Um, if you ask any Oregon State fan or a lot of Wisconsin fans about this hire, they'll tell you you're off your rocker to be even remotely excited about it. Because, mm-hmm. let's be honest, I mean, at, at Wisconsin he did fine. He, he, I think, met expectations. At Oregon State, that was ugly, and things really fell apart and fell apart quick. Uh, and so I, I could see why fans would have a little bit of reservation, but I think that, you know, for as, as you said, for the most part, I think that they're overly optimistic. Um it's the exciting hire, that's for sure. I mean, aside that's from bringing in a big right? B5 name, it's definitely the exciting hire. I think it's going to sell tickets. I get why they did it. And uh, players are, are definitely fired up. I know a handful of these players were recruited by Gary Anderson. As crazy as that seems. Wow. Wait. That was six years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a lot of guys who, who either redshirted their first year or went on a mission. Um and some of those guys, you know, whether it was them as a junior or a sophomore, uh, but a lot of these guys had contact with Gary Anderson trying to get him to come to Utah State, and that's part of the reason why some of them came. As crazy as, as that is to think that about. I, I, I know about. at least a few in particular who, who have told me that. Um, and so those guys are, of course, fired up to have him back. And He's a player's coach, you know. Whether the, whether the fans love him or not, it really doesn't matter. The players are all about Gary Anderson. And I know for a fact he walked into the to the team locker room when they came back from break. Um, he said, actually, this might have even been before the break, and he said, uh, you know, we're done playing in crappy bowl games. We're not doing that anymore. We're 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 going to be you know, we're going to be playing on the national stage. We're turning this thing around. We're done having a crappy locker room. They tore that thing apart and put in. I don't know if you saw on social yeah. media. They put in you know new TVs, new, new leather couches. couches. It's gorgeous. Uh, Nicer said, than my home, yeah. my entire place I live in. He said, in. we're not a podunk program anymore. We're a national program, and we're going to act that way. And, you know, that's that's one way to get players to buy in. Right? Coming in with <laughs> and a fire bit. of fans. Mm-hmm. Why not? So what I am wondering is, uh, and if we can backtrack a little bit, because sure. I want to talk about this, um, the hiring process mm-hmm. seemed to be... <laughs> what's the word they used for the campaign when Russia mingled in it or supposedly mingled in it it seemed uh, to be controlled by outside sources ugly, <laughs> ugly. Yeah. yeah there's another yeah. word for it so and you have kind of um you've done more research on this and you've also kind of what's the word oh wow me l- losing so many words welcome back <laughs> to school page um 
you've been kind of on that radar, right? When you yeah. wrote this story about the hiring process, yeah, about the due justice or the what's the word the due due justice is that it? Or yeah, the due process. Due process. Yeah. Thanks, student. Oh, man. And another reason, ladies and gentlemen, why he's my co-host, right? (laughs) Due process for this hiring, right? So tell me a little bit more about do you think whether or not you think um, it was John Hartwell's decision or the fans that decided this hire or the money bringers? Yeah. Without going into too much – detail uh there were reports that surfaced days before the hiring well hours before the hiring that that this was largely done on the uh interest of certain boosters that were donating significant amounts of money to the program that's true uh (laughs) you know that's that's true whether uh that means that the athletics department got the guy that they wanted whether that means that they went through the process the the way that they should have, I can't speak to that. Uh, I do know that there was a heavy influence, though, from some certain boosters. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that in the end, if it all works out and Gary Anderson is the right guy for the job and he brings Utah State success for the next decade, who cares? Right. Really. Like, and, and this is a conversation. No harm done. That in a year could matter a lot. But. Or exactly, could not. If right. If it's a crash and burn and Gary doesn't do well and it you know turns into an Oregon State situation all of a sudden there's going to have to be fingers pointed and that's when it could get a little bit ugly but um you know I I think that that's going to get overlooked for the time being and maybe it should where it seems like a seems like a good hire and it seems like uh, a guy that's bringing a lot of fans a lot of excitement Mm -hmm. so you know just enjoy it rather than criticize it yeah that's valid (laughs) but there was definitely there was definitely some outside influence so you're just telling me not to criticize it, right? And I hope you're talking about the hiring thing because I'm about to ask you a question that might sure. ask you to get your critical mind on. <laughs> and this, again, I think it's probably too soon to say, right? But I want you to tell me just from seeing his his kind of record and where he's at right now, do you think Gary Anderson has passed his prime? Mm. I'm loaded, say, loaded I'm question. Gonna, yeah, it is a loaded question because there's a lot of ways to go with it. Uh, I think that that's what a lot of people just assume when they see that, you know, he did so well here, did pretty well at Wisconsin, and then just dipped. That that kind of indicates that maybe you've hit your pinnacle and you're old and you're washed up and just don't care anymore. I don't think that's the case, though. Just, you know, in, in talking with him and hearing him speak in, in press conferences and hearing what players have said about him, it doesn't sound like he's a guy who's just mailing it in at this point and he's doing things differently at this point of his career because he's already been there and done that. Uh, you know, from everything I can I can tell, as an outsider, of course, um, it seems like he's he's come with the same youthful energy that brought him success here the first time. And so I would say no to that question, but uh, it's also a big we'll see. Yeah, right. <laughs> We'll see as, in the future. You know, as is everything, mm-hmm. and that's a cop-out, but uh, I certainly don't think that he's washed up, okay. I guess I would say. I don't think that he's uh, coming in and trying to think of an appropriate way to say this, uh, half 
Harding. Harding it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. And like you said, I mean, this is this is college football. So the only right. way to tell is at one season at a time. Yeah. But yeah. with like notwithstanding all the change that's happened, or maybe because of all the change that happened, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for next season. Well, to and see I'll what's throw in happen. the thing that has me more excited than anything else, and that should have Utah State fans really, really fired up, is this coaching staff he has brought in. He has some studs on this staff. So not only does Frank Miley stay on the staff, which Which a lot of people were hoping for. A lot of people were hoping for, a lot of people were worried about. Mm -hmm. I thought the only way you can keep a guy like that is if you make him defensive coordinator. They didn't. He's an assistant head coach, uh, so still a promotion, and he's over the tight ends. But he's not even your defensive coordinator, and they still keep him around, which is crazy to me. Um, so excited to see we, him. I love. I feel like that's a l- one that we may have. What's the word? Like we lucked out more than we oh, deserved boy. to on that. Like we didn't really absolutely Frank. probably deserve to keep him in that position. But yeah, he, glad he's sticking around. He could have. He could have gone elsewhere. Let's see. Frank. If you've ever talked to him, you know he's a really good dude. And uh, talking to players before the bowl game, there were several that were vying for him to be the head coach. Wow. A lot of players thought he should be the head coach. Um, he probably, I, I think, five, six years down the road, he will be a head coach somewhere. So he, that's huge. Aside from that, uh, you bring in Mike Sanford Jr. That's my absolute home run hire of this cycle. He was the uh, he was the offensive coordinator at Boise State. He was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Went and became the head coach wow. at Western Kentucky. He was only given three years there. Things, actually, two years. Things didn't go particularly well at Western Kentucky. It's a tough place to win. Um, and so he comes to Utah State as an offensive coordinator, and I think he is going to be lights out. Very, very good offensive coordinator, especially for a team that's you know got the weapons you know coming, coming in with Jordan Love uh, and some of the receivers Utah State has. He's, and I think that's a, he's going to bring fireworks. That's a, um, a position that's kind of been un- under the microscope lately, mm-hmm. too, be- because – Dave Yost was incredible. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. And, I mean, everybody wanted him. I think some, there were some people that were a little more upset about Yost leaving with Wells than Wells leaving, right? right? So He was huge. Knowing that we got a powerhouse in that position, yeah. comforting to, at the, the very least for Aggie fans. Well, and does like the high-powered score in less than a minute every time down the field offense continue? I don't know. I, I don't think that that's really Mike Sanford's style. Um but you can imagine elements of it will carry over, and it it's still going to be a really good offense. Justin Enna is defensive coordinator. I don't know a ton about him. He hasn't been a coordinator. I know he's coming from Utah, and everything I've heard is that he's uh, he's one of the better recruiters in the state. And so, if nothing else, you're getting a really good recruiter, an up-and-coming guy who, well, I mean, Gary Anderson certainly has the eye for. He's hired a few up-and-comers before that right. turned into something special. Uh, keeping Stacy Collins on, he's huge for recruiting. Absolutely enormous for recruiting. TJ Woods coming in as an offensive line coach from Western Kentucky. So uh, he, he came spent with some time here. Yep, okay. he comes with Stanford with, with Sanford, not Stanford. Uh, and he's spent some time here at Utah State uh, five, six years ago. And uh, so bringing him back, that, that's awesome, especially with the guy that he was working under at Western Kentucky. A lot of Aggie fans remember Boje Fio Moyatu, uh, legendary Aggie linebacker coming in to coach the linebackers. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm leaving some names out here too, uh, but huge, 
huge hires from the coaching staff. Uh, and, you know, I think that a lot of people were hesitant, especially seeing how things went over in Oregon with uh, with some of Gary's assistants and, and just the way things went down there. People were a little hesitant. Are, is he going to be able to make the right hires, bring in the right quality of guys? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm, and that was one thing I think um, – as someone who was like very outside and a little bit skeptical because I knew that maybe there were all their influences in this mm-hmm. hire. Plus, um, knowing that like the history of his coaching more recently, but this is one thing I knew he could do because pretty much all the people we had before, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. coach Wells was brought on by coach Anderson, exactly. right? And there's, there's no way to say what he did for the coaching staff and the team when he was here before, is a bad thing at all. So I expected this from him, which is yeah. a good sign, right? Good way to start and kind of gives us an indication, hopefully, of what we're in for next season. We're going to go to a break before we talk a little bit about um, maybe kind of the I, – I have a few more questions for you, Jaden, okay. obviously. But we're going to transition to basketball here. Um, some news and some heartbreak, actually, this past week for both of our basketball teams. But – We'll get to that after the break. This is the sports page out loud on Aggie Radio 92.3 FM KBLU LP in Logan, Utah. All right, welcome back to the sports page out loud. I am your host, Paige Zamora, joined by our other host, Jaden Johnson. Thank you for being here still. Um, We just had some... Great talk about Aggie football and all the things that have been going on in the postseason. If you missed it, um, catch it later once it's up on iTunes um, <laughs> and other platforms. You can find that on Twitter at SportsPage94 and Jaden Johnson 00. If you know the Jaden Johnson with no zeros, let him know to delete his Twitter. Yeah. Jaden is guy. in need of that Twitter I hate that handle. Guy. <laughs> all right, uh, Jaden. So we are about halfway through this basketball season. Mm hmm. Some pretty big news this past week. John Knight III is leave, has left, is leaving, is in kind of a limbo phase, right? Um, this team, and, you know, during the beginning of the season, I think people were excited about him. He's kind of, mm-hmm. like we were talking about, one of those showy players, right? Um, and then he missed a handful of games, so I don't know if people really – I mean, obviously he was on the radar, but right. um, a handful of games that – the team didn't do horribly at right without him, and I don't think it made too big of a difference. But my question about this, because it's kind of something we see across the board, and I get it. Like, in football, people are taking higher contracts. They're going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, right? But in basketball, in men's and women's, we see this pretty frequently. A and lot. I don't know, Jaden, like, is this just college basketball, or is this kind of a curse that <laughs> we're in that someone needs to break? I don't know, because, I mean – Kobe McEwen, I think, is a really great example of yeah. that, right? Like, after yeah. after last season, he just – he was gone, right? Right. And people were excited. People loved Kobe here. I feel mm-hmm. like he was – he had potential to be kind of the next Jalen Moore where we were just like, oh, I love you so much, you know? And, and I know that it's not as, on as many people's radars, but that also happens on the women's team a lot where mm-hmm. we have really solid players. I mean, I think it was three – maybe four years ago now, how long have I been at this school, where <laughs> Funanakosoglu was our starting point guard and Absolute decided um, early into one of the off-seasons that she was transferring. And um, I'm wondering, 
because this has just been stirring this. You know, for a while I was like, oh, that was for that reason. Oh, that was for that reason. I mean, I talked with sources on close to the team um, after Funda's transfer that said it was it was a coaching disagreement, you know, that she had with the coaches. And, I, I mean, I actually heard that from a lot of people and people who have left the team since. And obviously they're coached by two, two different coaches. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it can't be that same thing. But what – what is going on? And is this just a college basketball thing where, you know, people just take better offers? I mean, what was well, his name? Um, oh, man. It was right before the 2015, 2016. Oh, David yes, yes. So, I mean, this keeps happening, right? And the team's doing all right, right? We're yeah. still on our feet and everything <clears throat> other than the heartbreaking game that we'll get back to that was this past Wednesday. Yeah. But wh- what's happening? Well, right? I'm going to give you a three-part answer here. Yay! Okay. The part first one. part, the first part is yes. This this is just college basketball. It, you look around the nation, and this is absolutely happening, just about everywhere. It's really rare for, uh, honestly, it's becoming increasingly rare for any player to play four years at a program. It's it happens, um, and and you know, at smaller schools like Utah State, you still see it pretty frequently. But and that's um, a lot of, isn't that like, I th- I think with David Collette, and you know they. They kind of try to go to somewhere bigger, right? So a lot they of get times, more yeah, notice. But, absolutely. And then there's the idea like, and well, would you rather be the star on a smaller team mm-hmm. or a kind of nobody on a bigger team, right? right but as maybe David that's a different Collette conversation. Was uh-huh. An absolute nobody. Yeah. He um, could have been <laughs> such a star here, right? Yeah. Not bitter about it. So still, that's part right? one. Part two, I would say that Utah State actually uh, has far less of an issue with this than, than a lot of other schools, especially at the mid major level. Um, where a lot of these smaller schools are almost farming schools for bigger schools uh-huh. now, where it's really, really tough to keep anybody that, that has any bit of success. Uh, you look at teams like San Jose State, and anytime they get anybody who's halfway decent, they're gone immediately. Um, and so the fact that you know Utah State can keep guys like Sam Merrill and, uh, and That's, the women's he's team the first can keep one some I of the studs. Of. Yeah, uh-huh. and you know, Sam's a different study entirely is he's a you know a hometown guy grew up cheering for the Aggies but I, I would say that uh if you look if you compare Utah State to a lot of other schools in similar situations it's really not as big of a deal as uh some may think okay. and that Utah State is, is actually doing somewhat well in that regard and part three I think that John Knight III is an entirely different scenario all around he's um it's not a transfer for more playing time. It's not him trying to trying to move up on the college basketball ladder. In fact, I don't think that it was voluntary at all. And that uh, he struggled with academics this year, and oh. he missed three games towards the end of the semester, academically related. And uh, you know now he's gonna have to probably go back to the junior college ranks, raise his grades, and and there's no hard feelings I know on his end towards Utah State University. Um, I actually <clears throat> talked to him very briefly after the transfer. He confirmed, yes, I am transferring and said, you know, you'll see me back around town. Not necessarily as a player, but, the, mm-hmm. you know, he'll, he's still very supportive of this program. He was vocal on Twitter thanking the program. Uh, his mom actually came out, posted something today, or maybe it was his father. I think it was his father. Yeah, it was his father posting something today on Twitter thanking Utah State for being wow. so good to his son. So I, I would say that it's an entirely different situation, and, Aggie fans, uh, you know, shouldn't feel slighted on this. And it's just kind of a sad thing all around that he has to leave 
that Utah State won't have him, that, you know, he's going to have to try and, and make it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that does bring up a good point, right? I mean, I'm all for advocating that, like, athletes are humans too, right? So they right. all have their their individual stories and reasons for leaving when they exactly. do. Um, I'm, I'm in the mindset of, you know, someone who's been around for the past five years or so, invested more than someone who just came in at the very beginning, maybe right. normally is, right? Um, but I think that mindset, right, where you, you kind of, you connect to people. You really like, I mean, I I edited his highlights when he had that beautiful dunk at the <laughs> beginning of the season, you know, and it's just, and I say that beautiful dunk. I, I don't know if you remember which one. <laughs> one of the One of hundred. the beautiful dunks, right? <laughs> but I mean, I, I watched that over and over again. So right. he kind of, in, he's ingrained into my mind. And I think maybe I'm not the only fan like that, right? Where yeah. there's these these players, I mean, I and I am very much one of those that was really excited about Kobe McEwen. Mm-hmm. And Soglu, like, I remember my, and it's funny because it's when I f- was first doing a radio show, too. Uh. Me and Logan Jones um, sat in here, have our, I think we did a show every Tuesday. And um, I remember sitting at home saying her name over and over and over again <laughs> to make sure I said it right on the show because I knew we'd be talking about her so much. So I have these odd but very mm. dear connections to these players and then um it's almost creepy in a way because then like once they <laughs> leave i'm like but what did i do you know uh. you know so and maybe i am the only fan that's that way let me know it's i mean probably your fault page right, <laughs> right maybe i was overbearing it's like i'm back in the dating scene <laughs> I'm not anyways um i think there are some fans that feel that way though you sure. know when when in the off season their coaches leave i mean i was the fan that cried when coach wells left too so oh, well from uh, from the looks of Twitter, you're far from the only one, right? And who, I think you know, and, and and it's one thing to be sad and to be bummed, and and naturally you will be and probably should be when when a coach or a player or somebody you you grow to love leaves the program. It's another thing to be hostile towards that individual, uh-huh. which I've seen as well on a much smaller scale. I'm not trying to call out all Aggie fans, but right, uh, don't be that guy. <laughs> of course, because. And I guess that brings us back around to, like, every player has their own story. Exactly. And as cheesy as that sounds, that's what sports are. Like, that's why we like sports in the first place is because, like, on the court and underneath the helmet, there's a human there that we yeah. actually might have some things in common with as superstars they may seem on our screens or things well, like and, that. Well, and try right? and put yourself in their shoes. Uh, if you look at Coach Wells, who can blame him for taking four times the salary and moving up in the world? Uh, you look at Darwin Thompson. Who can blame him for trying to go actually make money as a running back rather than staying here and just getting concussion after concussion? Right. Uh, look at John Knight the Third. I don't think that he wants to leave. You know, maybe you could say he should have worked harder. He should have done certain things to be able to stay. But it's a sad situation for him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in almost every scenario, you know, it's really hard to really blame the athlete for doing what they did, unless. They are uh, an absolute tool that quits on their team two days before the season. Yeah, S- still bitter, rightfully <laughs> so, all of us. Oh, I'm talking about David Collette. I know, that's what I mean, right? <laughs> uh, like, we're yeah. all still very bitter. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's maybe the one exception to this. Right? The, the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm partially joking, but yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, with that idea, though, we're, we're talking a little about men's basketball, and then we'll get into women's basketball because – you know I'm their biggest fan. Um, <laughs> men's basketball this past Wednesday, I was stoked 
in the first and second or sorry first I watched the women's game in the first half <laughs> right in the second half of the first half I was sure. stoked about this team we have and uh, you're referring to the Fresno State game yes uh-huh thank you sorry just yeah just just no, for my reference thank you so um I was really excited about what I was seeing I mean my husband was in the kitchen and couldn't mm-hmm. see the game and I was like why are you missing this they look so good you know I mean <laughs> just they kept they kept dropping really beautiful shots and it was kind of across the board. I mean, there were definitely some people. Brock Miller in the first half was really mm-hmm. outstanding. Um, I don't know. How were you watching this? Because part of it, you were. <laughs> so I was I was at the Save Mart Center in Fresno. Right. And you were very focused on the women's game. Focused right? on the women's game. They had the men's that. game on the Jumbotron for the first half of the game, maybe because it was before the women tipped off. Uh-huh. So I was kind of keeping an eye on that. Um, I was definitely watching the score. I watched plays here and there, but I was pretty focused on the women's yeah, game as well. Yeah, I'm sorry that I no, forgot to address that. They were at the exact, <laughs> almost the exact same time. Yeah, Luckily, there's a time difference, apart. right? So there's an hour apart. I, um, I did go and rewatch it after. Okay. Um, and and I knew that the you know I knew the final score. Actually, so what's funny is that halftime of the game is right when the men's game was ending. I typically have a eight nine minute break at halftime, so I turned that on. I saw the game winning shot from Fresno State. Yeah, and. Brought my mood down a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, maybe if we go back and listen to your stream of the game, we can tell maybe like a drop in a few octaves yeah, all of, of a your sudden, voice. I'm not excited. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I just I don't know. I want to kind of break this game down a little bit because sure. they looked so good, and yeah. I there were there were a lot of things I liked about it. There was really strong rebounding, which I'm a rebound fanatic. I love it. I think mm-hmm. if you want to win games, you learn how to rebound consistently. And part of that I learned from Coach Finkbeiner of the women's basketball team because, I mean, that's one of his philosophies, right? But mm. it's also one of those, like, and undisputed is, truths, yeah, right? It's been a great rebounding team. Yeah. Especially if you look at what they did to Air Force. Right? Like, I think <laughs> I think there's – and, I mean, we have weapons for that, and but we have aggression for that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the biggest thing I like about it and that I noticed during this game. And then <laughs> they broke our hearts. And I don't know how much of it was – I mean, there were a lot of shots that didn't fall. That yeah. happened, right? Yeah. But at one point, we were up by 12, and then we lost by one, right? And I, part of me has to think this was not supposed to be this close in the end. Yeah. Um, well, Fresno, Fresno's a really good team. You know, I mm-hmm. like as, as much of a bummer as this was for Aggie fans, Fresno's a really good team. Um, and, uh, you know, I get that Utah State got a little spoiled last year because they swept them. You know, they won two crazy games against Fresno State. You know, you better believe the Bulldogs had that on their mind and they were looking for a little bit of revenge, especially trying to get one in Logan. Braxton Huggins was a freak, 33 points. Uh, you know, and sometimes a player just has a game where you just can't stop him. 8 of 13 from outside. I mean, what can you really do about that? If he shoots 6 of 13, which is still a good percentage, Utah State wins. Well, and- these were not wide open shots. Yeah, that he was yeah. making. He was knocking down contested shots. As that final shot was, right. that was a crazy there, shot. It could to not win have game. been defended more beautifully. And so exactly. that's where I get to my other part of it, where I'm like, maybe this was just how it went because yeah. they were two good teams playing against exactly. each other. Games like that normally end in one point. And I have to say, I mean, I I know I brought up the twelve point lead earlier, but that was even when we were up by twelve, it didn't look like it. Yeah, that this whole game. 
it looked like it was the end, you know? And sure. it was just hard at the end when you realize we were ahead all but the last five seconds. Well, and it's, it's only natural in a game like this to look for what did Utah State do wrong? What did they do to lose the game? And, and sure, there are things that they could have done better. No question about that. But, but really, I think that when all is said and done, it was more about what did Fresno State do to win the game, and they played really freakishly well in the second you half. You have to and give them credit in this yeah, win. I yeah, mean, they and the fact that had a heck of a game. the adversity they faced in being down for so long <clears throat> mm-hmm. and then winning, I mean, that says volumes, speaks volumes about that team. And I think, I mean, and here I am learning this as we're saying it, right? I was that fan that was like, what did we do wrong? Mm. Why are we the team that lost, right? <laughs> but you have to give them credit for well, that. And, and any coach is going to think the same way, and that's you know their job to figure out what did we do right? wrong. How and could then we have fix won this? it. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and there's, you know, it's definitely important to consider, especially when you lose a home game that's so important in conference play. Um, and important, I think the, like as far as the fans go, right? Yeah. First game oh, back absolutely. from the semester. Absolutely. and uh, Filled the spectrum section. pretty well, I heard. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, when you uh, – when, when Utah State goes back to Fresno later this year, I think it's going to be a really good game there, too. Utah State probably has a really good chance to win that one. Uh, I won't be surprised if these teams see each other in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Two good teams made for a really fun game to watch. And uh, in the end, Fresno State came out a slightly, slightly better team. Barely. And that's fine. You know, yeah. you're still early on in conference play. <clears throat> Is and Utah State still uh, potentially the second best team in the conference? Yeah, I'd say that, you know, that's still a very real possibility. Not in the standings right now, and and, uh, they've got some work to do, but it's still a very real possibility. So that brings me to my next question, right? You and I talked, and I want to ask you this question first about the men's team and then about the women's team as well. You and I talked with athletes from both teams before the seasons, and um, we had some pretty strong predictions. I mean, but there was a lot of unknowns, right? Now that we're halfway through, what's your honest take on these teams? <laughs> well, they've both I- entirely exceeded expectations. Maybe not of the athletes. You know, Sam was not shy about being really confident about this team and their odds this season when we talked to him mm-hmm. on this show. That was a fun interview. And it was, it was, you know, actually after that interview, I walked out going, am I selling these guys short? Like the confidence that he had that they're going to He was convincing. It was awesome. He was very – and. And it reflects the attitude on the team this year, why they've been able to do so well. If you would have told me that Utah State, you know, sitting at this point is uh, 11 and 5, I would have said that's a really good mark for them to be at. Mm-hmm. And, and still, you know, towards the, I get they're 1 and 2 in conference play, but they've played Fresno and Nevada. Uh, and, and you look forward for this team, and all of a sudden things lighten up. They've got Wyoming, who has been awful. San Jose State. Come on. Colorado State, who has been awful. I wish you could have seen Jaden's face as he <laughs> I know that San Utah Jose State, State lost yeah. in San Jose last year, but let's be real. Uh, Colorado State, who's, who's been very underwhelming as well, and then New Mexico, San Jose State. You know, it gets really light from here. So Utah State, they'll be right back in the top half of the, of the standings. So I, I'd say they've far, far exceeded expectations of mine, at least. Probably under under exceeded? Under exceeded? Is that a yeah. word? Yeah. We'll make their, it one, yeah. Their, their, their own expectations, not, I don't know. Not yet exceeded. Not met the expectations, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, uh-huh. uh, of their own. But um, And then on the women's side, are you kidding me? Uh, this team won seven games last year. They've already met that total. Uh, you know, they're 500, and that's not the most exciting 
record in the world, sitting at seven and seven at this point. Uh, but you look in in the preseason. <clears throat> in the preseason, they played uh, USC. Played them tight. Had a good chance to win. That team went undefeated in the preseason. Colorado, which no one expected that. Right. There were so many games. I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at the schedule with you right now. Then we were all very coming surprised into, by this coming team. into conference play. Utah State had the 29th highest ranked strength of schedule in the nation, and they still had uh, you know a, a, a round of 500 record going into conference play. Which, considering you know, still not maybe up to the expectations of Aggie fans. And, and you want to win more games than you lose. You want to be competing for titles. But look at what they were at last year. They won two games going into conference play last season. Right. They won one road game the entire season. Uh, so this year they go in almost you know around 500 into conference play after losses to USC, to Colorado, who I believe was a one-loss team going into conference play, uh, to Portland, who had two, maybe three losses in their preseason. That's a really good team on the road. Uh, to BYU in a game which I'm not even going to start on that because I can list three reasons why they could have and should have won, if not for some of the most atrocious officiating I've seen in my life, mm-hmm. which uh, is, is really an undisputable thing. <laughs> I mean, and- I'm not even going to start there. And that was an overtime loss to your rival. And then the number three team in the nation, Oregon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where you hung more clo- closer than most teams do. Uh, and most it, teams like us. I mean, right. and, and I know no fans really like to put your team in that category because sure. anything is possible, but <laughs> most teams like ours, they just don't hang. They right. don't hang in that game. And a lot of these games are those type. Uh-huh. None of them are Oregon, right? But I think the women's team, and I have to say specifically, Steph Gorman has just... She's been huge. She is incredible. She's been really good for this team. I think... She is a very unassuming player when she steps on the mm-hmm. court, too. Um, in a lot of the same ways, she reminds me of the same type of mentality as Deja Mason, you know, where um, kind of seem unassuming as far as personality goes. But on the court. The quiet killer. The, exactly. <laughs> wow. Exactly. That's the way I would describe it. And I think, oh, man, if you haven't seen Steph Gorman play, you should. If you haven't she seen is this a, team play, they're a fun team to watch. And Shannon Duffesey. I have to mention Shannon her, too. Shannon Duffesey. I mean, she has been talk about consistency out of this world. She's like the Lou Gehrig. I don't of know if you team, realize this. Like. She is Lou Gehrig pre-disease, of course. She is now one tenth of a rebound away from averaging a double double, which is in the women's game ridiculous, mm-hmm. ridiculous. And it's not double doubles like barely, right? Like no. she is. I it's crazy. On top of that, she's fourth in the Mountain West in scoring per game, number one in the in the conference in rebounds per game, number one in the conference in steals per game and was number one in free throw percentage. I think that's dropped a little bit after this last game. Uh, <laughs> she's a special player and only a junior. Get out and watch her play. Mountain West Player of the Mountain Week. Mountain West Player of the Week. Probably going to be an all-conference player, maybe in the running for Player of the Year if the team can do well enough. She, I, I enjoy watching her because when I watch basketball, I look for consistency, and I look for the one I can count on, mm. right? And she has been at an Behind the arc. Okay, Steph Gorman's three-point shots. Can we talk about that oh, for a she's, second? Yeah. She's they, shooting about 40%, 43% right now, I think. And they're not just, like, at the line, right? Mm-hmm. She is one or two steps back on a lot of those. <laughs> I know that I'm getting, like, fanatic about this, and sure. I've always been about this team. But, man, these girls even up that excitement. I think it is incredible to yeah. watch someone – I just literally pounded the desk. Sorry. Wow. Yeah, I got to breathe for a second. But – 
I love that there's consistency on this team. And if you watch the Fresno State game, um, and I know I've said this about a lot, call it a cop-out if you want, but when they play games that end this way, it doesn't look like they're mm-hmm. down by as much as they were. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll throw out there. So, uh, again, the record is 7-7. Seven and seven. If they played a regular Mountain West schedule, if they didn't play the 29th toughest strength of schedule in the nation, uh, you know, if you replace USC and Colorado, you know, maybe maybe keep one of those Pac-12 games, which they, they beat Col- uh, Washington State, I should know, on the road. Right. Um, so you maybe keep one or two of those Pac-12 games. Uh, slightly, you know, play a couple more home games. This team's probably going into conference play 8-3. and three. Uh and then they start out conference play two and one. So uh, there was a there was a stretch, and I tweeted this out before the Fresno State game. They had won five of their past six. They were two and zero oh in conference play. They had won four of their five road games, which again last season they won one road game right. the entire season. They had already matched last season's win total. They go to Fresno State. They lose to a really tough Fresno State team on the road, probably one of the two three best teams in the conference, and uh, you know a tough game, but. Those those happen. They lose. It was close. It was an eleven point game, but it was closer than the than the margin showed, as you mentioned. So uh, they're in a good spot. Yeah, and I, like I said, with the weapons they have, I don't know. Do we call them weapons in basketball too? I don't know if that's like a real thing. But with the talent they have on their team, I'm I'm excited still. I'm yeah, very no excited about watching be. them. Um, they play Wyoming this Saturday at two <sighs> here. Tough. And um, you can catch Jaden here on the Aggie Radio on the 92.3. Aggie Radio ninety two point three. Tune in; you can hear Jaden's live coverage of that. Um, and it, yeah, it'll be a tough. I think it'll be a really good game to be at. Uh, I the coaches, from what I can gather, they think the Wyoming's the top team in the conference this year. Okay, I, I think it's between Wyoming and Boise, but that's going to be. A, if Utah State could pull that out. I'm not saying that, that they shouldn't. Uh, it's going to be a really tough game, and I think that they've got a good chance to hang right there with them, though. Cool. So with that, let's end. I want to hear your predictions. Going into the Mountain West Tournament, where do you see the women's and the men's team seeded? <clears throat> That's a good question. Um, the women's team, I think that they'll still be playing on day one of the tournament, um, m- meaning that they're outside of the top five. Uh, the conference is... I just think that it's going to be hard to, to finish better than one of Fresno State, Boise State, Wyoming, UNLV, and New Mexico. Those are five really good teams. Mm-hmm. I think that they're probably the team right behind them, probably sixth. Okay. And so, uh, well, and those are them... teams that have consistently been in those spots too, yeah. right? So, and, Other and than so... Colorado, I feel like Colorado's the only one, Colorado State is the only one that's been a little sure. – I mean, this year has been very different than they have been. And sixth would be a great spot for them because that would mean that you're playing the 11th seed in the first round. It would mean that in the second round you've got, you've got, you know, you're not going up against the number one seed. Uh, and so it gives you a real shot. I think that sixth is probably about where they end up. Maybe seventh, maybe fifth, but it's going to be tough. If they win this weekend, I'll change my mind. Okay. The men's team. They're still they're still top five team easily. I, I think that uh, this loss at home to Fresno State's tough, and you're going to have to get one on their court now uh, if you want to, to really be one of those top two or three seeds. I think they're probably number four. All right. Well, I'm excited, to say the least, about um, the basketball season ahead of us. It's good to be in the spring semester. Don't it you is. Think? I feel it like is. it's kind it's of great. the – the we're getting to the vista part of the mountain, you know, where you get to like look out and breathe for a second, even though the elevation 
kind of hard. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for tuning in for the sports page. You can find Jaden at Jaden Johnson 00. Um, this has been the sports page out loud with Paige and Jaden on KBLULP, Logan, Utah, Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM.